Raised by Spirit, Chapter 9, Meditation, Mentorship, and Manifestation. In order for you to fully understand the cycle of entering into a new age that began in 2020, I need to explain to you how the massive amounts of channeled information entered into my awareness from 2018 when my mom disowned me and after Thomas fully crossed over in November of 2020. These massive amounts of wisdom and knowledge were required for me to experience in increments throughout the years in order for me to understand and guide me through the process of breaking the generational and karmic cycles after my mom disowned me, moved out of the house in the years that followed, all of which granted myself, my sister, and our children to finally break the cycles. But first, I have to make sure that you understand the how behind it all with the practice of meditation, mentorship, and manifestation. Let's first clarify what meditation and manifestation is. Manifestation is the result of practiced meditation. One does not work without the other, not in the beginning of your journey towards awareness anyways. It is the alignment and intertwining of both a thought and a feeling in effort to consciously guide what you desire to experience into your life. However, manifestation only occurs when a thought is in perfect alignment with a feeling. Only when both are in perfect alignment and focused upon long enough will it be brought forth and manifested or co-created into your physical reality. This is always a process of time, never instant. Not yet, anyways. Let's break this down into a more personable and relatable understanding. Meditation by definition is a mental exercise that trains attention and awareness simultaneously. Its purpose is often to curb reactivity to one's negative thoughts, perceptions, and feelings. It reduces stress. The reduction in stress can lessen anxiety. It promotes emotional well-being, lengthens our attention span, helps with memory capabilities, generates feelings of gratitude and love, helps us fight off addictions, it can improve our sleep, and so much more. When practicing meditation, you regain your ability to control and redirect your thoughts and feelings the way that you want to experience life. Naturally, through this practice, regardless of the reason you practice meditation, it produces positive thoughts, resulting in positive feelings. Those positive thoughts and feelings raise the energy level that you operate and perceive life in, which is why meditation is directly connected to manifestation, awareness, and your sixth sense. For most of us, when we attempt to meditate, perhaps for the first time, most of us try to sit in the lotus position as you will see suggested to do. We try to focus on our breathing. Again, as we see throughout most practice traditional forms of meditation, this is what they tell you to do. But before you know it, we're thinking about how uncomfortable we are and everything on our to-do list, and this ends up causing more frustration and stress than we had before, with zero communication or guidance. The reality is most of us do meditate more often than we realize. We do it naturally when we are taking a shower, doing the dishes, driving the same day-in, day-out routine back and forth to work, when we are vacuuming, and so on. Remember that epiphany I had while vacuuming? I was in a meditative state when I received that thought or idea. We enter a meditative state naturally anytime we're doing something without conscious thought. Unfortunately, when we sit and intentionally try to meditate, we often find it more difficult and frustrating in the beginning because we fail to understand the way our bodies energetically receive 
of information from our sixth sense, much less the meaning behind it all. Again, I never practiced meditation until 2017 when I was invited to that group meditation only to be presented with past life experiences I had with my mother. Shortly after my mom moved out was when my guide chief returned accompanied with Orion. Remember how I said originally Chief came along to help me organize all the accumulated teachings from prior years before? Again, I was doing this in efforts to help guide and mentor others. And in the beginning, as I started teaching classes, I did it in a very academic type of way. I would make bullet point paperwork with written explanations, all the different ways to understand your strengths and weaknesses within your sixth sense, hands-on practice readings, and yes, even homework. What I realized when Chief and Orion returned was that students weren't getting everything that they possibly could from that type of approach. My guides intervened, suggesting I needed to approach mentoring and teaching others through the practice of meditation. My question at the time was, how am I supposed to teach others how to meditate when I myself don't practice meditation? And their response was, we're going to teach you. And I thought to myself, great, just what I wanted to learn. I, like so many of you, became very frustrated with the above listed difficulties and basically yelled at both Chief and Orion, telling them this was not going to work. That was when they suggested that I write and record my own guided meditations to guide me through an intentional meditation process. They guided me through creating one of my very first guided meditations called the Diamond Shield. They taught me how to integrate hypnosis techniques into meditation in order to command the body to relax through the power of the mind, gaining the ability to achieve a deeper state of divine or subconscious connection. It was then I realized they were, like always, right. I could indeed intentionally meditate through guided meditations and it wasn't boring or difficult when practiced in this way. I, like my students, were then able to achieve what we sought to achieve through meditation, which was communication from the other side. Let's talk about the sixth sense and how it operates during meditation and beyond. And I say beyond because even though we are specifically trying to understand how our sixth sense operates within meditation, the reality is our sixth sense is operating all the time. Whether we're meditating or not or trying to communicate with spirit, it's always operating. Within the sixth sense, there are quite simply four subcategories. Granted, there are a lot of people out there and practitioners who do break it down into several different categories, but I like to keep things as simple as possible. The first is clairvoyance and probably one of the most commonly known names. With clairvoyance, we will often hear people talk about how they can see things when they meditate, right? Oftentimes, when you hear somebody say this, your first thought is, well, I don't see anything but black or darkness when I close my eyes. And more often than not, that might be the case. However, that is because your pre-programmed belief and mind is telling you you're just looking at the back of your eyelids. However, when we close our eyes, the purpose in doing so is to remove yourself from the outside world. When we remove ourselves from the outside world, we are more likely to pay attention to the way our bodies are receiving the information from our sixth sense and the other side. What about when we hear somebody say that they can see a loved one or spirit on the other side? More often than not, they're not seeing a transparent human or a ghost with their physical eyes. Can this happen? Yes, absolutely. However, again, more often than not, they are seeing within their third eye using clairvoyance. So clairvoyance is the ability to see images in your mind's eye, and we all have this ability. The easiest way for me to explain the use of your third eye in clairvoyance is when you read a book. When you read a book and the story plays out, you can see it also play out within your mind. 
Another example is when you recall a memory. If I was sitting in front of you and asked you to tell me what your most favorite childhood memory was, more often than not, you will immediately lose eye contact with me and you will instinctually look off into nothing or space until you find that memory. What you're doing while you're looking off into nothing or into space is you're actually looking into your mind through the little Rolodex of memories that you have until you see and find the memory that made you the happiest as a child. That is your clairvoyance. It is the use of images within your mind. Most people who use their clairvoyance during meditation often dismiss what they see as their imagination, not realizing that this is your clairvoyance at work. Next, we have clairsentience. Clairsentience is a term interchangeable with being empathic. This is our ability to feel through our bodies, whether it be feeling physical, emotional, or environmental energy. For example, when we go to a new place, whether it be a friend's house or a historical building, we will either feel comfortable or uncomfortable. That is a form of clairsentience. In regards to communication with those on the other side, I always like to use Teresa Caputo as an example. When a loved one comes through, and let's say they passed of a heart attack, Teresa will often say something along the lines of she has a heaviness in her chest, which is suggesting she is empathically picking up on how a loved one transitioned. In this particular scenario, and when empathically receiving information from the other side, as soon as the feeling is recognized correctly, that heaviness, so to speak, or whatever you're feeling goes away shortly thereafter. Let's say you're walking through a clothing store trying to find a new outfit. And let's say you find a top that you like, but for whatever reason, you are instinctually guided to pick the top that's the furthest back on the rack. This is your clairsentience working instinctually, choosing the top that hasn't been touched, convoluted with everyone else's energy that also liked that top or walked by and touched it. Clairsentience can work in many different scenarios, but it is always rooted in how you feel. This will apply in meditation. Clairsentience or being empathic, in my opinion, is one of the most frustrating of the four subcategories within our sixth sense. Don't get me wrong, it can absolutely be a superpower. But when we have our own energy to navigate through, and on a daily basis we are bombarded with the energy around us, more often than not, it leaves us drained, confused, and thinking there's something wrong with us, when in fact, it's just our bodies responding to the energy around us. There are several tools and techniques we will discuss much later in regards to navigating through and understanding your empathic abilities, but in my opinion, and in my experience, it is one of the most noticeable of the four subcategories within the sixth sense that everybody resonates with. Next is clear audience. Many people think that clear audience is the way that it's portrayed in the media. Not only are you seeing a transparent ghost, but you're also hearing them talk the way that you would hear another human being talk. And that's simply not the case. You are dealing with two completely different levels of energy. Can you hear spirit from the other side with your physical ears? Sure, absolutely. However, as of right now, more often than not, when you hear spirit with your physical ears, it's so high-pitched that we have a hard time even understanding what they're saying. It's like talking to Alvin and the Chipmunks. The reason for this is because, again, they reside on a completely different vibrational plane of existence. The vibrational plane that spirit resides in holds a much higher frequency. So when a high frequency tries to communicate with a lower frequency, it ends up sounding so high-pitched we can't even make it out. For the most part, clairaudience is easily described as the little voice in the back of your mind or your inner dialogue. When we start to pay attention to the inner dialogue, we notice that the voice can sometimes be male or female. 
It could be a loud voice or a soft, quiet voice. And we often mistake this as our own thoughts. That's not always the case. Regardless, the communication does still occur within the same time frame as a human-to-human conversation. That in of itself is very important to pay attention to because clairaudience is very similar to claircognizant. Claircognizant is the last of the four subcategories and is quite simply a knowing or like when we have an epiphany. Many new agers will use the term claircognizant interchangeably with the term download and rightfully so because when you experience claircognizance, it's an instantaneous knowing and understanding of a large amount of information. It will take longer for you to either verbally relay or write down the information that took a split second for you to receive. That, again, is important to understand when you're trying to decipher between claircognizance and clairaudience. Clairaudience happens at the same time frame as a discussion between two human beings will. Within my experience in teaching others, we will usually have two strengths within the force of categories and two weaknesses. The best way to find out your strengths and weaknesses is through the practice of meditation. Eventually, with continued practice, all of them will become strengths and operate simultaneously as needed. And you might be thinking, where does manifestation come into play? Manifestation is what ties everything together. In other words, the practice of manifestation occurs naturally within the practice of meditation. And yes, through meditation, we do use and develop our sixth sense. It is a multifaceted, beneficial process that can help you gain awareness on so many different levels of your experience. So again, as I stated before, manifestation is the alignment and intertwining of both a focused thought and the feeling generated from that thought. It is a marriage of the two in perfect union. Manifestation only occurs when the energy of the thought matches the energy of the feeling. So what does this mean? Let me give you an example. A long time ago, around the time when I was like 19, 20 years old, I had a really imbalanced relationship with money. My mindset was within lack and limitation. And this was something that I was unconsciously taught by my mother and her relationship with money. I never spent money or paid bills with the mindset that that money was never ending and what I gave away freely came back freely in return. At the time, if I got a bill for $50, I felt like that bill was taking away from me. That was my perception and I felt it on every level. I never felt a sense of gratitude that I had the $50 to pay the bill to begin with. Therefore, I lived, operated, and vibrated in the mindset and energy of lack and limitation. It wasn't until I realized that that I started to change my thoughts and my perception associated with money. How do you do that? Well, in my case, whenever a thought would enter my mind that was related to not having enough, I would immediately recognize it and affirm the opposite. So for example, if a bill was due and I started to feel limited in finances or maybe I didn't have enough to pay it at that exact moment, I would stop that thought process in its tracks and I would say all my financial needs are met exactly when they need to be met. This process of consciously changing the energy I was producing through my thoughts and feelings took close to a year. Yes, a year. It is a process because in the beginning, the thought doesn't match the feeling. I could say all day, every day, my financial needs are met, but until I experienced that on a continuous basis, I didn't believe it because I didn't feel it. They were just words. The thought didn't match the energy. It takes time for your feelings to match the energy of a thought and for manifestation to occur within your experience. 
And that is why you hear a lot of people say you give power to what you believe in. After a year of dedication, my thoughts aligned with my feelings, my perception changed, and manifestation took place. Throughout that process, it also became my belief. And now I feel that to be true on every level of how I live, operate, and perceive my reality and my relationship with money. Throughout time, this process became natural, effortless, and like second nature. I don't have to affirm that anymore because I believe it and I feel it. Everything is in perfect alignment. And although I didn't practice this particular example in meditation form, the same idea is applied through meditation. The reality is, no matter your approach, when your thoughts are in the same frequency with your feelings, that is what you manifest into your experience, perception, belief, and reality. Positive or negative, it's a neutral force. The choice is yours though. But how many of you really knew this? Perhaps some, most certainly not all. On average, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. Ask yourself, how many of those thoughts are you consciously even aware of? Then ask yourself, how many of those thoughts are your thoughts and not a planted thought from the outside world distractions? Then ask yourself, how many of those thoughts are positive? More often than not, the answer is you don't really pay attention and the thoughts that you do pay attention to are most likely more on the negative side. That's not entirely your fault because we have all the distractions of the outside world that are often governing our thoughts for us. This is not done unknowingly. Trust me when I say that. Whether it be television, music, people, the news, all of it is directing your thoughts and emotions, which is why I say make the choice and regain control of your own thoughts and feelings and your reality. Whether you're practicing meditation to reprogram your thought process, to reduce stress, to manifest a more desirable experience, or to communicate with spirit, whatever your goal is, the root is it's all about making the choice to take back control and direct your thoughts in a more positive direction. In turn, this does lead you to higher levels of awareness.